Welcome to Work and Play, the award-winning podcast of Kinsanji Brooks Smith & Profit, where we discuss employment news and provide practical insights and tips that you can use at your company or in your practice. I'm your host, Susan Basford-Wilson, and with me is my co-host and partner, Sherry Silberman. How's it going, Sherry? You know what? There are so many places I could go with that question right now with all the news, but I'm going to say how excited I am that we have entered the new season of all things pumpkin and pumpkin spice, that is. And that makes me very happy. And college football, which makes me happy, though I have to say I've I've seriously mixed feelings about this year's season. Um, But I was thinking today we could talk about marijuana. Well, I guess that makes a lot of people happy and a great topic since it's a growing trend after all. (laughs) I I see what you did there. And yes, we're going to try to delve into this, where this growing trend leafs employers. This is (laughs) sad. Uh, This is really spiraling downhill quickly. Uh, Help. (laughs) I admit I come from a family that views puns as a high form of humor, so I I could do this all day. Yeah, you and me alike. All right, but as amusing as that would be, we probably shouldn't because I think like 98, 99% of our listeners would stop listening. So where do you think we should start this growing and leafy discussion? Well, let's start with uh, some history. The use of cannabis is not a new thing. It has been used for religious, industrial, therapeutic, and other purposes for centuries. Um, but it, it really only started to pick up some negative baggage and public outroar and say, the past 150 years. Um, but for today's purposes, let's start with ye olden days of 1970. Okay, just for the record, I'm going to publicly say that this decade and the word old do not go together, <laughs> but go ahead. I kind of thought you might say that. <laughs> um, but anyway, in 1970, the federal government enacted the Controlled Substances Act, and cannabis marijuana was defined as a Schedule One drug. The Schedule One drugs are the big ones, right? The drugs with no currently accepted medical use, and a high potential for abuse, right? Correct. Other Schedule I drugs include heroin, LSD, ecstasy, and peyote. And if you contrast that with Schedule V drugs, those include things like Lyrica and Robitussin AC. All right. LSD, ecstasy, and marijuana all the way down to Robitussin. All right. Got it. Right. And going back to our timeline, there was a federal amendment passed in the 90s called the Solomon Lautenberger Amendment, which encouraged states to suspend the driver's license of anyone who committed a drug offense or else the state um, would face the penalty of reduced federal highway funds. Oh, yes. I seem to remember hearing something about the slogan, smoke a joint, lose your license. Yes, and many states did hop on that bandwagon because, well, federal dollars were at stake. Um, However, I would say the pendulum started to swing back the other direction for marijuana. For example, there was another amendment passed in 2014, the uh, Rohrenbacher-Farr Amendment, probably killed that name, but with some caveats and steps, it denies funds to the U.S. Department of Justice 
to prosecute conduct that is in compliance with state medical marijuana laws. But that's for medical marijuana only, right? Right. And last I checked, all efforts to extend that to cover legal recreational use haven't passed. But we've also seen stuff um, like the 2018 Farm Bill that legalized low THC hemp nationwide and effectively descheduled hemp-derived products from the Controlled Substances Act, even though it is still specifically listed as an example of a Schedule One drug. All right, I got to put the brakes on right here because you just threw out a whole bunch of legalese-type terms, and I'm going to need you to like say that in English, please. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay, so let's start out by saying... I am told that marijuana and hemp are are different strains of the cannabis plant. Got it. And this 2018 Farm Bill allowed the commercial production, distribution, and sale of hemp by specifically excluding hemp from the definition of marijuana. And thus, by defining it separately, it effectively descheduled hemp and CBD that's derived from hemp under the Controlled Substances Act, so long as the plant or the product contains less than 0.3% THC. And I think most of our listeners know that THC is the primary psychoactive in cannabis, or really just to get to the point, it's the active chemical that does interesting things to your brain. Yes, though if you happen to want to be more technical about it, the National Institute on Drug Abuse says that THC alters the functioning of the hippocampus and the orbitofrontal cortex, which can impair judgment and interfere with a person's ability to learn and perform complex tasks. THC also disrupts the functioning of the cerebellum and the basal ganglia, brain areas that regulate balance, posture, coordination, and reaction time, which is why someone under the influence of THC may not be able to drive safely. Is my inner geek showing yet? (laughs) I have a headache Um, (laughs) from all these words. This is why I'm a lawyer and not a chemist, but... As an employment lawyer who sometimes has to be a naysayer, I'm also sitting here thinking impaired judgment, reduced motor coordination, and slower reaction times, not really the qualities our clients generally value in their workforce. Yeah, it's not always the best, particularly if you're talking about someone, I don't know, working in a warehouse, driving a forklift, driving a DOT vehicle, good stuff like that. Yeah, I would say. Uh, there's some variation, though, in how THC, THC affects any given person, right? There is. And you can also develop a tolerance to it. And I think that might be part of the reason why there is no widely, you know, nationally accepted limit for what it means to be under the influence of or incapacitated by marijuana. There's no equivalent yet for blowing a 0.08 like there is for alcohol. You know, I think that's a really big point for all the employers out there who really don't care what legal activity you do on the weekend or illegal activity you do on the weekend, depending where you are, as long as you don't come to work impaired on Monday. Definitely. And that's a really great point to mention. To make our history lesson complete, um, we should say that 33 states plus the District of Columbia have now passed laws permitting the medical 
use of marijuana. And 12 states and the District of Columbia have passed laws either legalizing or decriminalizing the recreational use of marijuana. Which makes this one of those issues that can be challenging for multi-state employers. Oh, yes. And while I hope everyone thoroughly enjoyed my brief and incomplete overview of the history of marijuana, um, I think we should talk about how all of this plays in the employment context right now. Agreed. And I think it's time for a disclaimer, Susan. State marijuana laws vary widely, and some of them have some unique quirks. So there's no substitute for examining the statutes in the specific state or states in which you operate. Absolutely. Or a constitutional amendment if you were in Missouri, because a good old-fashioned statute regarding medical marijuana use was just not good enough for us. Yeah, Florida did that with the Constitution, too, so you're not alone. Okay, so while we all understand that this can be state-specific, I have a scenario for you that I stole from a recent court decision. (laughs) Hey, the real ones are often the best. Agreed. All right, here goes. There once was a store cashier in a large retail chain in Arizona, and she was the holder of a medical marijuana card. She hurt her wrist at work, and the injury wasn't her fault, but as part of the post-accident examination, she was drug tested, and lo and behold, she tested positive for marijuana. Dun-dun-dun, the suspense is building. I know. Yeah, because this company's policy provided for the termination of employees who tested positive for illegal drugs. So she was first suspended without pay, and then she was terminated because of her positive test result. I bet she sued under Arizona's Medical Marijuana Act. She did, uh, because the act generally prohibits discrimination against employees who use medical marijuana. However, the law does allow employers to take action against employees, even if they're medical marijuana users, if they're under the influence while at work. Okay, hold up. Let's, Let's unpack this and analyze what we have so far. This person was a medical marijuana cardholder, right? This accident wasn't her fault, but the marijuana did show up in her post-accident drug test. Now, as a general tip, if you have an employee who tests positive for any drug, I tend to think it's a good idea to have a policy stating that employees or job applicants who test positive will be notified of a positive test result and have the opportunity to explain to the company if the positive test result is due to the authorized use of an over-the-counter or prescription medication. Some states actually require this step, but either way, I think it's a good idea so that you have all the information you need and you aren't jumping to conclusions and not engaging in any interactive process that may be required. I agree, though that does bring up a fun and interesting point. Because marijuana is still an illegal controlled substance under federal law, the Americans with Disabilities Act does not prohibit discrimination based on an individual's current use of medical marijuana or require reasonable accommodation of such use. So any interactive discussion or reasonable accommodation is going to be solely under state law. Right, which is also probably why our plaintiff sued under Arizona's law rather than the ADA. Okay, so going back to our case study, 
She had a medical marijuana card. She got fired and she sued her employer. Right. And here's a fun twist. Arizona's law says that a registered qualifying patient shall not be considered to be under the influence of marijuana solely because of the presence of metabolites or components of marijuana that appear in insufficient concentration to cause impairment. Okay. So that's a little bit of legal. I was going to say, I, I'm guilty now, right? <laughs> but in other words, um, an employer in Arizona can't terminate the holder of a medical marijuana card solely based on those metabolites showing up in a drug test, unless the test actually indicates that the employee was impaired at work. But that's really the million-dollar question here. What does it mean to be impaired? Well, in this case, the employer tried to show that it had a good faith basis for believing that the employee was actually impaired at work, and it supported that position with a declaration from someone in HR saying that this employee's levels showed impairment. However, the federal court said that wasn't good enough. The court said to have a good faith belief based on only a drug test result, the company should have presented evidence from an expert with an appropriate scientific background perhaps an MD or a scientist with a drug testing lab. Okay, so let's put that another way. If you're dealing with a medical marijuana user who was involved in an accident, then you should probably be prepared to show that not only did the employee test positive, but that they were actually impaired. I would think it's possible you might be able to provide some evidence of impairment through observations of someone on site, like they smelled like marijuana, they had bloodshot eyes, they behaved inappropriately. But it sounds like you also might need an expert to testify about what the level of marijuana found in the employee's system was and what that said about the employee's level of impairment. Yeah, that's what it seems like based on this court's opinion. Okay, so entertaining story time. I recently had a client contact me because an employee had a workplace accident. The employee got hurt, had a post-accident drug test, and he tested positive for marijuana. At that point, and only at that point, he whips out a valid medical marijuana card. He'd never disclosed it before, which is an issue under the company's policy because he was most certainly in a safety-sensitive position. Oh, that's not good. No, it's not good. Um, So, you know, chances are he's going to be written up for violating the policy at a minimum. But while the company was talking to him about his card, investigating the accident to see if it was preventable or, you know, totally his fault, the more detailed test results came back. Sherry, this guy had something like 941 nanograms per milliliter of marijuana metabolites. People who have tried to draw a line for marijuana metabolites often draw it somewhere around 50 nanograms per milliliter. So yeah, while my degrees probably do not qualify me to act as an expert witness, I'm pretty confident that that guy was stoned at work. (laughs) You say that very authoritatively. (laughs) Well, so I wrote a multi-state drug testing policy for one of my favorite clients earlier this year, and the HR director gets like this 
unholy joy from teasing me about my marijuana expertise every time a question comes up about the policy. And I'm always like, yeah, yeah, you're hilarious. Yes, I have written a few drug policies. And no, my personal experience is is non-existent. I will say you're still fun at parties, though. Aw, thank you. Um, Man, Sherry, we still have so much to cover on this topic, but we are out of time for today. I think we're going to have to do marijuana part two in a couple of months. I'm in. And I'll start working on my puns now. (laughs) I look forward to that. Thank you for joining me today, Sherry. My pleasure. Before we sign off, I want to make my typical request of our listeners. As I've said before, we are a new podcast, and it would be wonderful if those of you listening would follow us, rate us, and especially leave a written review on iTunes or wherever else you get your podcasts so that other people who are interested in employment law can find us. We hope you tune in again in a couple of weeks for the next episode.